Good morning, Lincoln Avenue. Open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12 this morning. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 to 37 is going to be our uh, focus passage. We're going to uh, jump in a little bit to the previous passage and look at some context that I think will help us to understand uh, what Jesus is talking about today. But for our, our main text is going to be Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. So turn there with me uh, in your Bibles and I will read that here in just a second and we will get started. Matthew chapter 12, verses 33 through 37. Jesus says, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you that on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Father, we ask uh, humbly this morning, God, that you would be our teacher, that your Holy Spirit would instruct us in... Uh, this this truth, these these verses, Father, that uh, point us to the gravity of the words that we speak and the condition of our hearts. Father, we, we ask, God, that you would cleanse our hearts. We ask that you would um, search our hearts, that you would reveal to us areas that we need to repent in, areas that we need to um, bring before you and, and be obedient to you, to submit ourselves to you. God, we ask that you would... Uh, Enable us to speak gospel truth. Enable us to speak words of, of gospel affirmation and gospel encouragement and gospel comfort. Father, we, we pray that you would use our mouths as a means of grace. Father, we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. You know, there are a couple ways that I hear people talking about either themselves or other people uh, a lot that, that I kind of wonder about, okay? So, so two phrases that I hear a bunch are, are somebody will say uh, something effect of, I'm a good person, uh, or they may something, say something to the effect of, well, he or she has a good heart, okay? Just lots of things in those categories. You know what I'm talking about? So a lot of times we describe ourselves as, I'm a, you know, I'm a really good person, or he's a really good person, or she's a really good person, or, um, you know, they've got a good heart, or, you know, I've got a good heart. A lot of times those things even come in the context of, like, when we've just done something really, you know, not good, you know, we just duffed it and uh, just blew it, and, and then, you know, we come back with, well, but, but they've got a good heart, I've really got a good heart, or, in other words, a lot of times we'll say, well, don't, don't pay attention to what's on the outside, you, you got to know, here's what's on the inside of let me tell you what's on the inside, okay? So, so when you think about those kind of phrases or thinking about yourself in that way, uh, I, I wonder, what, how do we know that, right? Like, like how do you know that? How do you, how do you know, you know, when people say, well, they're a good person or I'm a good person, you know, like, like what's the standard of that? Like, is there some kind of poll that's out, you know, is every year you got all the good people on one list and all the bad people on another list? Or, you know, is, is it simply objective and opinion or what, what is it? And in fact, theologically, we've got a big problem because Romans chapter three says there's nobody good. 
Uh, like, like Paul just comes out and says that there is no one good, no, not one. So from a theological perspective, we're all broken sinners. And so there, there isn't any good people. But I think a lot of times when, when we're using those phrases, I'm a good person, or they've got a good heart. I, th- I think we're more talking about intentions, motives, kind of, you know, what's, what's on the inside of them. And, and I would answer again, how do we know that? Well, Jesus' answer to that, how do you know what's on the inside of a person? is right here in this text, it's their words, okay? Jesus basically says you can tell what is filling up the heart by listening to someone's mouth, all right? So, in other words, what comes out of your mouth is actually, according to Jesus, is a very accurate diagnostic representation of what is going on in somebody's heart. And so there's this principle that Jesus gives us that your words expose your heart. They, they are the x-ray machine of the heart. They are the CAT scan, the, the MRI, right? That, that, that's what your words are, is, is you get this readout of, of here's what's going on inside of you, and, and, and we can know what's going on inside. We can know what is filling your heart by what comes out of our mouths, right? So when you examine your words, you are basically taking a look at what's filling up your heart. So, so when you listen to yourself, okay, uh, what is it that you talk about? That, that's a great way to start this morning is, is just all of us, and I did, I've done this the last couple days, just trying to think through conversations. I did this last night as I was laying in my bed. I was like, okay, you know, just preparing for this. I was like, so what did I say today, you know? And then I, I thought about what I said to my kids. I thought about what I said to my wife. I thought about what I said on the mountain bike trail. I thought about what I said, you know, on some phone conversations. Um, I, I just, I was examining, okay, what did you say? And what does that say about your own heart? Like, and what, what is the tone with which you said it? You know, we communicate with both our words and our tone, don't we? Like, like sometimes we, it's not just what did you say, but how did you say that? Like, what were you communicating, you know, in your tone of what you said? I don't know how many words people speak a day. Um, I, I, I tried to get some statistics on that. They're all, all over the map. Let me, I just Googled it real quick. And let me, let me tell you the different sites uh, uh, that I went to. Or I won't tell you the sites, but I'll tell you. Here's, here's the, the results, okay? So one site said men speak 7,000, women speak 20,000. Another site said men speak two to 3,000, women speak 10,000. This is all on average. Another site said men speak... 6,073, and women speak 8,805. Uh, interesting. University of Arizona put out a, uh, a survey. I'll just tell you about this one because it was different than the others. But what they did was they put these little microphones on people, and it would, every 12 and a half minutes, I think it was, it would record a minute, right? And so, so you don't have the whole day, but you have these, these snapshots throughout the day, and then they took that, compiled it, and averaged it. Well, that survey found that men spoke... 15,669, and women spoke 16,215. So that one kind of said that there isn't a whole lot of difference. All the others put ladies way above guys, and I I don't know the answer to that. But here was one interesting thing about that Arizona uh, survey, University of Arizona. The low on that was a guy who spoke 795 words uh, in a day. That was his average, okay? The high from that survey was another guy. These were both guys who spoke 47,000 words, all right? 
Now, what's interesting to me about that is I think I know both those guys. Like, like I, I do. I think I know them. Do, do you know them? You know who I'm talking about? You know, the guy that, like, he never says anything. You know, it's kind of grunts and groans, you know. And then there's the guy that, like, yeah, you can't get away from him. You know, I hope I'm not that guy. But anyway, you know, but, right? So, so you got this. So I don't know. So here, here's, I don't know how many of you speak. I, I think probably the reality of that is that in this room, there's probably a varying degree of how many words that you say a day. Now, maybe the, the most fascinating thing about all those statistics I read was one study, after it gave the average that they averaged out that, that both men and women speak, it said this. It said that that study estimated, though, that the average person only speaks around 500 to 700 words of actual value. Isn't that interesting? Now, now, how do you, how do you, here, here was their definition of actual value. I don't know if you agree with this or not, but they said by actual value, they were saying words with the intent to communicate to another an item of importance to both. That was their definition. So in other words, you know, not, not just the, hey, pick up your shoes, you know, somebody can get the, you know, not, not those things, but actually when you're sitting down and talking to somebody about something that you both care about, like, like something you both value. All right? Now, now just imagine. So, so I don't know where you're at on that spectrum. Maybe you're the 700 guy. Maybe you're the 47,000 guy. Um, but what do your words look like? What, what, what do you speak all day? Now, now of course, there's going to be chore words, right? You know, someone needs to take out the trash. Hey, who's going to pick up so-and-so from basketball, dance, and karate? There's occupational words, right? Part numbers, pump jacks, investment portfolios, sales projections. You're going to talk about those things. There's parenting words, stay out of the street, don't eat cat food, pick up your toys. You know, all, all, all those things that are just kind of the, the nuts and bolts of life. But, but even with those, what, what, I, what I thought was interesting as I began to evaluate my own words was, what, what, is, what is the tone of those words and what am I communicating with those words? So, for instance, yesterday I asked the girls to unload the dishwasher, you know, and, and I was just, I was, as I was laying in bed last night, I was thinking about, okay, you, you, you talk, I had a conversation about the dishwasher. Okay, so what, but what, what else was I communicating? Like, like in the way that I said those things, I, I, I think you communicate relationally. I think you, you communicate something about what you believe about life and whether you're joyful or whether you're angry or frustrated. I think we're always communicating something from our heart, even in those mundane things. Well, what, what about the other words that are spoken? Not, not the chore words, parenting words, job words. But what, what about real conversations? Like, do you have those? Like, think, think through yesterday. You know, was there, was there any communication of truth that came out of your mouth? Was there any affirmation of truth about God or truth about the gospel or truth about life or truth about wisdom? Were, 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 there, any, were there any communication about the purpose of life or about the gifts and character of God? Was there praise? Was there prayer? You know, what, what came out of your mouth yesterday? Think, think about this. Are there things that you would say? So, like, we just did a poll this morning. You would say, man, that's really important to me. So, so God, would, would, would you answer on a poll? Man, God is really important to me. The gospel is really important to me. I check yes, right? But then as you look back at yesterday, day four, day four, day four, day four, you know, as you look back at your week, 
Do your word, would your words reflect that? So if somebody actually has your words in print, you know, and, and they're, they're looking through them, you know, would they say, oh, yeah, yeah, this got me. God is really important to her. And she, here, here's a whole section of praise, or here's, here's a conversation with a neighbor in which she brought glory to God, or here's a conversation with a friend where, where they, they talked about the beauty of the gospel or about the, the mission of the, of the gospel. I mean, here's a conversation with their kids where they're, they're, they're talking through the meaning of life according to God's story. Would, would, would the evidence show that's important? You know, we have a new phenomenon that nobody really in the history of the world has ever had before that you and I have, and that is there, there are slices of your life that actually are recorded. Okay, now, I, I read in a, I don't know, somebody's preaching a sermon where they talked about scientists actually say that sound waves, I guess they like go out and they bounce around, and they just like keep bouncing, and like some scientists estimated that maybe they're never actually gone. They just like keep diminishing. You know, you can't hear them anymore, and, and they're, they're beyond instruments that we have that can read, but they're actually never gone. And so actually, I mean, it's kind of a neat thought that the word that you speak, like it goes on forever. Like it's always, you know, it's always there. And so maybe that, but we have something even more tangible, okay? What we have is your Facebook, you know? And we have your Twitter page, and we have your, your, your phone records. Isn't, isn't that interesting? Like, have you ever thought about that uh, you have a record of what you believe? I, you probably don't do this. I do this a lot. I go look at people's Facebook pages with the intent of finding out what kind of person they are. You know when I normally do that? Funeral. Like a lot of times I'm asked to preach a funeral and I don't know the person very well. Now, 20 years ago, you know, I, I, I just had to rely upon going and talking to their family, talking to their friends, you know, kind of getting everybody's input. And I still do that. But, but the thing that I always do now that I used to not do is I go, I go to their Facebook page and I scroll through a couple years and, and you don't even have to read everything. But you, it, it's interesting. You can get kind of a feel for this, what was important to them. You know, what was, what was valuable to them by simply what they said. I, I, I did something interesting last night as well as I was sitting ready to go to bed. I, no, this was this morning I did this. I thought, you know, what, what do my texts say about me? And so I, I just opened up my phone and I, I went to my little text and, and I took the top five and I just scrolled through a couple days worth of what have I said to these, the, the first five people that were on my phone? You know, what, what, what have I said to them? And I, and I tried to judge that for tone and content and like, what, what was I saying? What was I communicating? You know, what, what do these things have to say about me, my heart? Uh, it's actually kind of a valuable tool there. So Jesus is saying, e- examine your words. Uh, now, What's the context that he speaks this? Because this is important, and I don't want to go into this very much, and, and you may be, like, really sore at me for only spending, you are like, okay, you, you spent, like, one minute on that, you know? Because it, it's, it's a pretty important passage. But, but the context of this is verses 22 through 32, I think it is. What, what we normally refer to as the passage on blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, you may know it better as what, what Jesus describes as the one sin that's unforgivable, Right? And so, you know, whenever you talk about that, you're like, hey, I need to know that deal. You know, what, what's that one sin, okay? So let me just give you a brief context of, of, of that passage of Scripture that leads into the one that we're in, okay? So first of all, um, first of all, here's what we know about this passage. We know, first of all, that God is an amazing, God, God has a magnificent, awesome ability to forgive sin. 
Okay? Now, now I, I say that because when, when you look at this in verse 31, Jesus says something pretty awesome here. He says, therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people. Every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven. But, but I want you to focus on that first part for, for a second. Man, that God, God is able to forgive any sin, like murder, like, like abuse, like adultery, like, like think of the worst thing that you can think of. And, and, and the Bible says God's able to forgive that. Uh, I mean, I want you to stop for just a second and marvel at that, particularly because there's probably people in this room that you, you, you struggle to forgive the waitress when she puts pickles on your burger and you didn't want pickles, right? Like, like some of us know how hard forgiveness is, right? Like we struggle when somebody hurts us, man, it is just like, wrenching in our chest to be able to forgive them. And right here, Jesus is like, hey, I want you to know something about God. God is able to forgive any sin. Isn't that awesome? Except for this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So what is that? That's the big question of this text. Well, I think the context basically describes it for us. Okay, so what's happening here in the context is there is clear, undeniable, there's a clear, undeniable miracle of the Holy Spirit in revealing Jesus as the divine son of David is, is the way it describes it, or the Messiah. Okay, so, so in other words, something happens here that is indisputable proof that Jesus is the Messiah. What happens? Well, Jesus heals a guy. So verse 22 says there's a demon-possessed man who is blind and mute. Okay, that's a bunch of brokenness right there, right? This guy is demon-possessed. Not only is he demon-possessed, he's also blind. Not only is he blind, but he's also mute, okay? And it says that Jesus heals him, just instantly just heals him, all right? Verse 23, everybody's amazed uh, many people are saying, can this be the son of David? Uh, that's kind of a reflection of the Messiah. Can this be the savior of the world? That's what they're saying. Okay. And then they're saying that, but look at what the Pharisees say in verse 24. It says, when the Pharisees heard it, they said, okay, so this came out of their mouths. It's only by Beals above the prince of demons that this man casts out demons. All right. So you see in the picture, Jesus does an undeniable, supernatural, incredible, amazing miracle and all the people were like, this is the Messiah, you know? And then you got this group of religious leaders over here that see the same thing happen. And they're like, he must be doing that by the demon, you know? He must, he must be doing that by the devil. All right, and so, so the sin that Jesus describes as blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, it, it, it's basically a total, complete rejection of the Holy Spirit's work in revealing Jesus. Okay, that's what's happening here. The Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus to, to the world, all right? And you've got some people that are like, that's amazing. You know, can this be the Messiah? You know, they're not sure, but they're thinking, man, it's, it sure looks like it. And then you've got other people that see the same thing and go the other way. So in other words, the Holy Spirit is revealing Jesus clearly. And, and, and you've got these folks that the more it's revealed, the more they're like, no, that, that must be, that's of the devil. That must be the devil. Jesus does this amazingly good, glorious thing. And their conclusion, he must be bad on the inside. Jesus does this clearly supernatural, divine, spirit of God thing. And their conclusion, it must be of the devil. All right, so, so verse 33, that's the context. So now look at verse 33. 33 says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. That's what Jesus says. So in other words, good tree produces good fruit. Bad tree produces bad fruit. Jesus is like, this is not hard. This is, this is very logical. 
So, so Jesus' words were God-exalting. They brought life. They brought sight. They brought deliverance. They revealed the Father. They healed the sick. They brought hope and comfort through the truth. And, and what are the people, what are these Pharisees saying? Bad heart. And Jesus says about them, okay, your words, which are lies about Jesus, lies about the Spirit, lies about the work of Christ, lies about the Messiah. And Jesus says in verse 34, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. Are you getting the context? So the context is what these guys said about a clear work of God. And Jesus is saying, okay, by what you said, it's very clear what's going on in your heart. Verse 34 says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. All right, so that's the context, okay? But then there's this transition, okay? In verse 35, where Jesus says, the good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. The evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. And then in verse 36, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Do you see what he just did there? He just went from talking about the Pharisees to talking about Jason and talking about you. See, so, so, so we've been talking about the Pharisees and what they said, but now he's, he broadens it out and he says, okay, and this is true of everybody, that what's in your heart's going to come out of your mouth. He broadens the application to all of us and to all the words that we speak. So what he's saying is, the words that you say are going to display the condition of your heart. Your heart is this overflow, okay? It overflows, and it overflows out of your mouth in the words that you speak. We, we really would like to believe the opposite, wouldn't we? Uh, we what we want to believe is that words don't really matter. Right? That's what we want to believe. Um, they don't really mean anything. We say things like, have you ever said this kind of stuff? Ready? Here, let me give you a bunch of phrases. Ready? I, I didn't really mean it. You ever say that? I didn't really mean it. I was just talking. Talk is cheap. Don't believe everything I say. <laughs> don't believe everything I say. In other words, don't, don't let it be a representation of me. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. I was just running my mouth. I mean, you hear people saying those sorts of things all the time. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says words are really significant. Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And in verse 36 and 37, let me read those to you again. Jesus says, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word. Your words will be evidence on the day of judgment, whether or not you rejoined to Jesus. Now, now don't misunderstand this morning. Please, please don't misunderstand we're not saying, the Bible's not saying, Jesus is not saying that, that you are saved by your word score, okay? It's not like, you know, there's this tally and, you know, all the good words are on this side, all the bad words are on this side, and you get to go to heaven with your good outweighed your bad. No, 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 no. That, that would be against the whole rest of the Bible. Jesus is not saying that. What he is saying is, if you've been joined to Jesus, if your heart has been changed by Christ, if you are living in a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, that will show in your words. Like, there'll be evidence of that in the words that you speak. Because if your heart is truly changed, then your words will start to be changed, right? There'll, there'll be a, a shift that takes place as you grow in Christ, so your words will grow as well. But if you aren't joined to Jesus, if you don't love Him, then your words will give evidence to that. But either way, your words matter. 
The phrase, every careless word, is an interesting phrase, right? Every care, the word means useless, barren, unproductive, words that don't accomplish anything, flippant, irresponsible, inappropriate. Uh, there's a verse in, in Ephesians that's incredibly impactful. If you have not memorized it, you absolutely ought to memorize it. It's Ephesians 4.29, and it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. I'm used to the NASB. It says, no, let no unwholesome word okay, come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. I love the way Paul phrases that. Basically, he says, Christian, you know, as you put on the new, uh, Ephesians 4, by the way, is all about putting on the new man, putting on the new self. He says, as you do that, the words that you speak should be aimed at building up, building up the kingdom, building up people, build, building up faith. Like, like your words should have a purpose, all right? So, so when Jesus says, we'll give an account for every careless word, what he's saying is that we, we, we should be speaking truth that means something. I, I know people who, and I have to be real clear here, my experience with them, Okay, so, so let, let, let's just be clear about that. My experience with them is that I've never heard them say anything significant. Um, now, it doesn't mean I haven't heard them say stuff. <laughs> you know, lots of like one-liners and, you know, uh, just coffee shop bull. I don't know what you call it. You know, just, just all that. But what I'm saying is I, I know people that I've never, I've never actually heard them. And again, maybe it's just my experience. Maybe they're completely different in other settings. But in the settings that I know them, like, I've never heard them say anything significant to people. And by significant, I don't mean, like, profound, you know. I, ju I just mean, like, I I've, I've never heard them give a compliment to somebody. Hey, that was really great what you did there. You know, hey, I really appreciate this about you. Or, you know, hey, would you guys pray for this? You know, I, I mean, no, like, nothing, nothing that actually kind of means something. I want to give, give people, I, w I would ask this of yourself. Have the people that are close to you, have they ever heard you pray? You know, when you, when you think about what's the most significant thing you can do with your words, you know, what, what is, that'd be prayer, wouldn't it? Prayer or praise, right? And, and I wonder, you got to ask yourself, have, have, have the people in my circle that I've known for years, have, have they heard me use my words in that way? Have they heard me say true things about God and to God? You know, again, even when we're talking about the dishwasher and not playing in the street and the sales report, man, I think we can do that in ways that exalt Jesus. I think we can do that with, with words that are well thought out and kind and gracious and edifying and thankful and joyful. Whereas the other reality of that is there's some folks that cannot talk about the sales report without including words that, that are degrading or filthy or violent. Uh, man, I feel sorry for those folks. A lot of times I, I know it's, it's like an ingrained habit. Like, like, like what's inside of them is, is so bad that they, they literally can't talk about anything without using words that are filthy. So, so how do you change your words? How do you change your words? So there's, there's some really great discipline-like verses in the Bible that, that we ought to pay attention to. Uh, one of my favorites is James 1.19. This says, let a man be uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to wrath. That whole quick to listen thing, that, that, 
convicts me every time I read it, right? So absolutely, there's, there's things in the Bible. Ephesians 4.29, the verse I just read, do you let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification, good for building up, according to the need of the moment that you may give grace to those who hear. Man, that's, a, that's just a great kind of strainer to like filter all your words. Like, is what I'm saying, is it going to build up? Does it need to be said? Is it, is it according to the need of the moment? Is it giving grace to those who hear? You know? Um, Psalm 141.3, we memorized it a, a couple years ago. Maybe this was last year in the March Memory Month. Uh, Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Uh, Proverbs 10.19, when words are many, transgression is, is not lacking. So there's, there's just some wisdom in, in, you know, weighing out your words, being a person that's careful with your words. Absolutely. But here's the, here's, here's the bottom line. You cannot change your words without your heart being changed. So ultimately, it's all about your heart. Ultimately, it is a heart issue, okay? Jesus says right here in verse 34, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, all right? And, and so, so in order to actually change our words, we got to change what is filling our heart. So in other words, if your heart is full of anger, if it's full of lust, if it's full of greed or pride or lies or stress or frustration or irritation, if your heart is full of self-pity or pride or selfish ambition, your words are going to reflect that. Like, like they have to. If your heart is full of anger and unforgiveness, then your words are going to be laced with, with this barbed sharpness. There's this, this great proverb, Proverbs 12, 18, that says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Do, do you know somebody that, man, like they can't talk about anything without there being an edge to it, you know? Like everything that comes out of their mouth is sharp. It, it's serrated, you know? It, it tends to just cut people. It, it, what, what's the problem there? Do they, do they need, you know, communication skills 101? Do they, do they need some, you know, discipline workshop that helps them? Okay, I need to say things nicely. You know, hey, that might, that might be okay. But ultimately, what's going on? There's something going on in their heart. They've got this residual anger that is built up. This unforgiveness may have nothing to do with you. Have you, have you ever noticed that? Sometimes the words that you get, you know, slashed up with, it actually didn't have anything to do with you. It had to do with their heart was full already. You just happened to be in the way. You know, you just happen to be the one that said, welcome to McDonald's, can I take your order, you know? And man, you got clashed up, you know, because what would have been filling their hearts for maybe years is, is this anger or bitterness or whatever, whatever's in there. And, and, and so absolutely, we can resolve to only speak kind of gracious words, but if we don't change our heart, it's just, it's going to come out inevitably. Have you ever done that? Have you ever walked into a situation Maybe you were going somewhere and you, you, you had a conflict with somebody and, and you're, getting, you're in the car and you tell your spouse, okay, I am not going to say anything bad. I'm just, I'm just not. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to be kind, okay? Like you resolve it, but if your heart is still angry, what happens? It better be a short visit, right? I mean, that's your only hope of success, right? Is like a, a distant, hey, good to see you. All right, let's get out of here, honey. Because if you stay long enough, you're going to spring a leak, you know, right? Like it's, you know, it's going to come out. Maybe not to them, but to other. I mean, it just, it will. You know that. You got to change your heart. How? 
So, so Jesus says in verse 35, he says, the good person out of his good treasure. It's interesting that the word treasure means to stockpile. It means um, to accumulate, to uh, save up, to bank. Okay? So in other words, we've got the stuff that's banked in our hearts, that's stored up, stockpiled, hoarded, whatever you want to say. We filled it. Okay? And so we got we got to start filling our heart with different stuff. So how, how do you do that? Well, Here's just some practical stuff, okay? This is just as I prayed and thought through this. Here's some practical stuff. First of all, be honest about the condition of your heart. All right, so, so lying to yourself about the condition of your heart does not help. First John 1 John 1.8 says, he who says he has no sin deceives himself. Like, that, that doesn't do any good. Like, if you're angry, you need to admit that to God. If, if you are full of pride, you need to admit that to God. If you're full of selfishness, if you're full of self-pity, if you walk around with this chip on your shoulder feeling like everybody's got something that you don't have and you've been giving this bad deal to God, that is sin. All of that is sin. And the only way to change your heart is you've got to, first of all, come clean with that. You've got to ask the Lord to search your heart. Ask Him to, to, to come over it. Man, man, feel the gravity. One of the things I think Jesus is doing here is he's adding gravity. He's adding a weightiness, uh, a soberingness. You know, when he mentions in the day of judgment, that's for a reason. I was talking to Tom during the welcome time. We didn't get to finish our conversation, but we were just talking about how last couple weeks, last couple chapters, last couple months, really, there's been several verses about the judgment day for believers even. You know, a couple weeks ago, was that whole reward or loss deal that what you do really matters. And Tom and I were talking about, like, so, so sometimes we have this view of heaven that, okay, my sins are all forgiven, right? And that is absolutely true. That's absolutely true. If you're a believer, if you're joined to Jesus, your sins are forgiven. And, and so what does that look like practically in heaven? You know, and I think for some people, they think we're going to be in line for heaven. And right before we enter the door, like somebody, an angel comes out with this shot, you know, and he like, you know, if you, no, 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 let's change it. Let's change it. I got something better. You ever seen that movie Men in Black where they have that little uh, uh, beat of that little, whatever that is, that little wand thing, you know, and, and, and basically like people forget everything, right? So is that what it's going to be? Like you get right to the door of heaven and you're like, okay, you know, angel puts on sunglasses, he's like, you know, and you're like, you walk in and you're like, somebody's like, hey, what'd you do in high school? And you're like, I don't remember. I think it was good. It must have been all good. You know, I don't remember. You know, who were you married to? I don't know. You know, uh, no, heaven will be a real place, okay? And, and you will know every, you'll know this life. You know, and some people are like, well, well that means I'll have regrets. I think you will. And, and people will be like, well, it can't be heaven if I'm up there regretting. Listen, when you're in the presence of Jesus and his grace, you will be overwhelmed with his goodness. Heaven will be about Jesus, not you forgetting everything. And whatever you remember, you will marvel at the grace of God and his forgiveness. Okay, but it doesn't mean that we, we won't have a real knowledge of the way that we lived. And, and so, so Jesus keeps bringing us back to this reality that how you live today. Remember, this was a couple months ago. How you live today matters. It matters for eternity. I think sometimes we want to think that as Christians, we're just like, well, I can, I can blow this world off and I'll walk through the heavenly gates and it won't matter because I made it. You are not reading your Bible. On the day of judgment, men will give an account for every careless word we speak. I'm not taking away from heaven. I want to magnify heaven because of who is there and the glory of Jesus. 
But I also want to be true to the text that says, man, how you live and what you say matters. So be honest right now about your heart. This is life and death. This is the course of your life. James 3, 6 says an interesting thing about words. By the way, another great passage just to unpack is James 3 about what you say. And James 3 says this. It says the words that you say will actually chart the course of your life. In a lot of ways, James 3, the, 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 the image that's used is of a rudder of a ship. And I mean, you, your words will pretty much steer your way through this life. All right? So, so all of this matters. So you should be honest about your heart. And when you see your heart is, is wrong, you should repent. You should confess. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You should believe the gospel. You, you should say, God, my heart is angry. God, I confess that. And Lord, I repent of that. You should say, God, my heart is prideful. God, I confess that. I repent of that. You should keep watch on your heart. That's what the psalmist tells us to do. Keep, keep watch on your heart. Okay? Number two, you should treasure, you should pile up lots of good things in your heart, okay? You should store up by, I think we do this by faith. I think we do this through the scriptures, through the power of the Holy Spirit, um, through appropriating the truths of God and his mission. You should pile those up in your heart. Okay, now what, what does that mean? That means that you ought to fill your heart up with things like the character of Jesus. You should fill your heart with that. You should fill your heart with the seven I am's in John. You know, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm, I'm the resurrection and the life. I, you, know, you should fill your heart with that. I'm the light of the world. I mean, you should fill your heart with the character of Jesus and what that means for you today. You should fill your heart with the gospel. You should fill your heart with the glorious deeds of God, with his faithfulness throughout all generations. I just finished up last Sunday night going through the God Story Project, four weeks with, with a group of folks. And man, every time through, it is just so refreshing to me to see this marvelous plan of God lived out through 6,000 years of history and God's faithfulness again and again and again. Fill your heart with that. Fill your heart with, with the hope that is coming. Man, your words should not reflect Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh, okay? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are joined to the resurrected Son of God, your words ought not. If people read through your, your little journal for the day of what you said, it should not be gloom and doom. You're joined to Jesus. Where'd you get the gloom and doom part? Your words should be full of the goodness of God and His gifts and His plan and His provision. Your words, here's straight out of the New Testament. They should be thankful. Thankful is, is an indication of the heart. It says that you agree and believe what God has done. You should fill your heart with His promises. Like What has He said He would do? And are you cashing those in? Like Are you believing those? Are you saying, okay, God, I'm going to do this because you promised to do this. So here's, here I go. Believe in you. And you should memorize. You should meditate. That's what Psalm 119 says. It says, store up God's word in your heart that you may not sin against him. Man, pop, meditate, memorize, memorize, memorize. Use the truths of God. Appropriate them. Speak them. Say them. 
Okay, I, I actually think this works both ways. I, I, I think your, word, your heart is, is what Jesus said. Your heart, whatever it's full of, comes out of your mouth. But, but I also believe this. I think that there are times where you can discipline your mouth to say things that actually affect your heart. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Have you ever been in a funk and, and you're like, nah, man, I'm not going to stay here. I, I, and you just start, I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. I'm thankful for this. God, you are good in this way. God, you have been faithful. Do you notice the more you speak, what happens? The more you start to thaw on the inside. And I, I don't know how exactly that works. Maybe that actually your heart is the thing to lead. I, I don't know. But I just know saying them is important. Praying them. There's something about praising out loud, bragging on Jesus. that actually affects your heart. And the last thing. And pray. Pray and ask God to affect your heart so that it affects your words. You find this everywhere in the Bible. Psalm 11936. Here's a psalmist. He's praying. What's he pray? Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes. This is the next verse, verse 37. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things. Give me life in your ways. You see what he's praying? God, bend, incline, bend my heart toward you. Incline my heart to your testimonies, not to selfish gain. We already mentioned it, Psalm 141, 3 and 4. By the way, look, I didn't mention 4, but look how these go together. Set a guard, O Lord. He's praying. The psalmist is praying. God, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Next verse. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. Those two go together. Heart and mouth go together. And he's asking God. He's saying, God, put a guard over my mouth. And God, don't let my heart incline to evil. One that I, I memorized as a little boy before I cared about any of this stuff, but I had a great Jet Cadets teacher named Leona Logan, and we said this verse every Wednesday night. And God has so, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful to be able to put verses inside of little kids. I was one of those little kids. Psalm 1914, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What's it? He's praying. God, let, let the words of my mouth, meditation, do you see the connection again? Words of my mouth, meditation of my heart, be acceptable in your sight, my rock and my redeemer. You need to pray because this is more than you can do. If you are trying to control your speech, if you're trying to say the right things and not say the wrong things simply through self-discipline, and if you're trying this in your marriage, let's say your marriage is struggling. And, and mo most uh, often what we say to one another, what I say to Emma, what she says to me, that's a huge indication of where our marriage is at, right? And a lot of times we're just like, okay, I'm going to gut it out. Like I'm mad as fire, but I'm just not going to say it. You know, again, man, you are going to spring leaks and cause damage. You got you to gotta change your heart. And you need Jesus for that. James 3, 6 says this. Um, no, it's uh, 3, 2. I'm sorry. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He's a perfect man, able also to, to bridle his whole body. Let me summarize what James is saying there. It is hard not to sin with your tongue. And you, 
you need Jesus for this. You, you need him. You need him to change your heart. So let's ask him, okay? Let's ask him. Let's pray together. Father, we are asking this morning that you would uh, do these things, God, that you would reveal to us the condition of our heart this morning. Father, if, if there is pride, if there is selfishness, if there is self-pity, if there is anger, if there's unforgiveness, if there's sensuality, God, whatever's filling our heart that should not be, God, we, we want to bring that to you in confession and repentance. God, we want to bring that to you asking that you would, you would change and transform our hearts. Father, we, uh, we ask, God, that you would fill our hearts with what is good, with what is righteous, with what is beautiful. God, we pray that you'd fill it with your promises, with your truth, with your, your beauty. And Father, that, that our hearts would be transformed and that our words would be transformed. God, set a guard over our lips. Incline our heart to your testimonies. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.